Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land. And our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, your host. Hey, we've got a great program coming up today. We're going to talk about bass fishing. And, you know, right here in the Missouri Ozarks and across the country, there's some great bass fishing going on as we speak. In fact, I talked to one young man today and caught his personal bass out on a lake, a dreary, rainy day. And uh, five pounds plus, I think. And uh, he he was pretty happy. But on the program with me today, I'm going to have some names you'll recognize, particularly if you're a bass fisherman. We got from way back. Brent Frizzy, you wrote for the Kansas City Star for how many decades? Way back. (laughs) Till 2016. Yeah, yeah, it started in 1894. Yeah, that's for sure. The covered wagon in her to get it. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) But these days after he retired, he put 30-something years in, 34 or something? 36. 36 with the Kansas City Star, and everybody read Brent Frizzy. I think I read him when I was in the first grade or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm probably older than he is. But today, he's your bass guy. Yourbassguy.com. Look him up. He writes some great stuff with some of the top bass fishermen from across the nation. Hey, second hitter here. we got Big Ed Franco. He's a bass fishing guide from over Lake of the Ozarks. And how many decades you been guiding, Frank? I've heard yeah, more stories about, about you. Oh, over, a little over 15 years. 15 yeah. years. That's, yeah. that's quite a while. Well, I'm going to get to fish with you this week. I'm going to see if you live up to the reputation, buddy. Okay, I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Time. Listen, I, can't, can't yeah. scare him at all, can ah, you? Heavens <laughs> no. I've been bested by the best before. <laughs> <laughs> and another name you'll recognize, John Neparadny. That's a mouthful, but he says he's just a writer. But <laughs> <laughs> he's a darn good writer. He's a darn good writer. Uh, wrote for the bass fishing magazines. John, which ones? Uh, I wrote my first Bassmaster article in 1991, and I wrote for Bassmaster. I was a senior writer for Bass Times. I, I've written for In Fisherman Outdoor Life. Uh, bass and when it was going on and now, north american fishermen well now he's bragging see so yeah, yeah quite a few <laughs> quite a few i'd say so he's also an inductee of the national freshwater fishing hall of fame you know i like to rub elbows for those type guys you know i do too I oh keep, yeah they're, they're obviously hoping might rub off yeah, I do too. exactly i'm hoping i'll learn something you know i didn't know that about him and i'll probably next time i go out with him ask him all this stuff you know how he yeah. did it and all that you know yeah <laughs> I, I, yeah bribery but, <laughs> you know, we do get accused of that, you yeah. know. But, hey, we're going to discuss here over the next uh, 45 minutes or so uh, bass fishing over the Lake of the Ozarks. And, you know, golly, Lake of the Ozarks been around for a long time, and the bass fishing just seems to get better and better. Lots of tournaments take place over here. And, uh, Frank, you live right here in the middle of it, as does John. But uh, what's going on with bass fishing right now? Right now, you can catch them really pretty good on a wacky worm. Uh, I 
fish that right up against the bank and behind the boat docks. They seem the bigger fish seem to be right behind the boat docks, and that's that's where I've been catching those. And then I'm also been catching them on a shaky head or alongside of the docks. And then my best catch feature is a drop shot on both banks. I like that drop shot. I have a drop shot. Oh, I haven't used a drop shot. And I don't. I don't well, know how long. you get to long. this week when we hey, go out well, there. We'll, we'll get it. We'll try it. I've done it before. In fact, I was drop shot before drop shot was ever invented. We used to fish like that with a kid as sure. down in the boot hill. It was just. It was so simple. Dive a bell sinker, you know, on the end of that line, and we did it primarily to keep from getting hung up because we fished the bios, the sloughs, and everything else. Lots, lots of brush, but. I can't remember what we call it, but it wasn't a drop shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It works really well down here, especially on the bluff banks. And, and right now, the way they're pulling water through here, it's, uh, it's, it's really conducive to that. And also, down, I've seen some good white bass today, too. So those are fun to catch. Oh, absolutely. Anything that swims is fun to catch. That's but right. we're, we're talking about it's almost the 1st of June here. By the time this program airs, it'll be another couple of weeks. So we'll be looking at... Uh, uh, towards the middle of June, but they're just, uh, I watch Facebook all the time, so I, I see yourself and some other people posting photos all the time, but boy, this seems like it's been a powerful, productive spring, more so than usual, or? No, I don't. I, I honestly think that normally we have a little bit better th- than what we have right now. Right now, we're, it seems like we're catching lots of smaller fish. Our lake in the next three years will be tremendous because right now you're catching a lot of them in that 12, not 12, let's go 13 up to 15 inches. And it's very seldom that, you know, I mean, to catch bigger ones is tough. I relate that a lot to the some of the tournament pressure that we have. And different things like that. So, but right now, I honestly, about four to five years ago, you want a five pounder, we catch a five pounder. It was no problem. Then it went through a spell where the lake dropped off a little bit, but it's on the rise right now. And we got a tremendous, tremendous amount of just nice, fun fish. Guide special is what it really is. You can go out there and catch them. We caught, well, close to 60 bass today. Wow. So, yeah, we had a really good day today, and I had two two uh, people that really never fished before, but they were on them really, really good. So, Boy, that, that's a way to yeah. make a fisherman out of a newcomer, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I, those, those 13, 15-inch fish you're talking oh, about, they're they what, two, like three crazy. years old? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, you have different classes yeah. of fish. You have the ones that are about four inches long, and then you got some that are six inches long, and some that are a little bigger. They're all the same year. But they was just born during the time whenever food was available for them. Just like the ones that are 9 inches or 8 inches, those were the first to go. And they grew up with getting the small little stuff that they could eat. And the other ones, they, when they were born, the stuff was too big, so they starved a little bit, and that's why they're smaller. But uh, we have really a great population of bass here, a beautiful lake of the Ozarks. And, and honestly, you, you know, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic fishery. Oh, it certainly is. I've I've been in the Ozarks for about forty years. You know, I came from the Mississippi River Delta down where I was. I was catching seven or eight pound largemouth out of bayous on fly rods when I was ten years old. Oh, sure. I didn't. I didn't know what I had. You know, and you didn't call me. I didn't call you. You didn't. Know I didn't me. call anybody. You didn't know me. <laughs> I, I didn't call anybody. I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> You kind of keep those things a secret. I had a good secret going for me last year. I was Uh catching a bunch of them on top water, and then I told another guy that he was having a tough go to come and help me out. Mm -hmm. 
what happens? He ca- lady caught a five pounder right there, and he took a photo of it. Showed the background, and back the next day yeah. there were boats everywhere. So you can't keep a secret on like yeah. it, it used to there. be the spot that me and Jack Huxley were the only ones yeah. two that fished it for years. Uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden these other guys come in and start fishing. Yeah, <laughs> I, yep. yeah, you got to be careful on Facebook, you know. And oh, it kills you every time. Oh yeah. Well, being an outdoor writer, you know, I get to fish with a lot of different people, and it's just amazing over the last few decades since all this social media come out how paranoid good fishermen are because mm-hmm. you could you know cory cotto very well yeah all right i've, I've been on uh, rivers lots of times with cory he'll catch a nice fish and of course i'm immediately whipping that camera out no no put that up put that up you know we may run two or three miles up the river just so people don't recognize these spots you yeah. know that's yeah. exactly correct and it got it got to me last year so i learned that lesson really good i blur all the backgrounds on all my photos I got guys all the time telling me, don't take a picture here. Let's go somewhere else. Yep, exactly. We'll go out in the middle of the lake, and we'll take it out there. So yeah. that's fine with me. I, yep. just want to, I just want to picture the fish. Right. I don't care about what's in the back. Exactly. But a few decades ago, you didn't have to worry about that at all. Well, what was funny was when I used to cover tournaments for bass, you'd ask a guy, well, what part of the lake did you catch in? And they wouldn't even tell you that part. And now you look at these Bassmaster tournaments, and they're showing waypoints and everything else. It's like, I wonder what those guys think about that stuff now. Yeah. yeah. Well, Secret well. is out. <laughs> yeah, before, like I said, they wouldn't even tell me what section of the lake is, and this is a 98-mile lake, you know. It's like. <laughs> yeah. Well, some guys are more paranoid than others, and Corey Cotter mm-hmm. was one of the most paranoid fishermen I know. He's a great smallmouth fisherman. In fact, last time I was out with him, probably three or four years ago, was on his home river, the Huzal. I think he's got all the smallmouth name there, but he yeah. caught a good three-pound smallmouth, which is sweet anywhere, but particularly on that small stream. And I thought, well, you know, I want to get a photo. Oh, okay. Well, first thing he does is take the lure out of his mouth, but I want to see the lure, too, in a photograph, sure. you know. So we, he moved to another spot, taking these photos from Stap it away, and I get home, look at my photos. He had put that bait back in that fish's mouth, but I didn't catch it when I was taking the photos. He covered the lure with his hand, so I oh, still didn't great. have a photo of the That's lure. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I have to watch him like a hawk, man, oh. if I want to get what I want out of him. Oh, really. yeah. But isn't it funny, though, that we, we have, well, in your case, not so funny, you know, the things that can happen. But those who pay attention learn. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, and all the docs now got numbers on them and stuff. So somebody was asking me, How, where do you think they caught that? I said, just watch a doc. You'll see a number on it in a second. There's no secret spots in this lake anymore. Yeah. Oh, no, you With can't. all the electronics and everything, and you know everybody knows everybody else's spots. Oh. And, and that's for a lake that's how many miles long? 98, 98 miles long. 98, miles, 98 long. miles long. I mean, if you and can't keep know. a secret here... Where can you? You know what? I always look at it this way. Secrets are a thing of the past. Yeah. There's a lot of water out there. And if I can tell somebody, hey, you can catch them on this, if they go out and have success on that, that makes them feel better. And, and they're not going to catch every fish out of this lake anyway. And yeah. I'm not competitive fishing against them. I'm just fishing. So I tell them all the time. I tell them, uh, you know, they, I've always had them ask, like in my book, do you got any mark spots in there? I said, you don't want to know spots. You want to know patterns. Mm-hmm. You learn a pattern, you can fish it anywhere. You, your spots, you know, spots change. Sometimes they have brush piles on them. Sometimes they fall apart, and there's not as good a fish in there anymore. And So you want to know the patterns. You don't want to know spots. Well, mm-hmm. I think, well, I think spots is old school, right, Brett? John's. 
John's right. I mean, it's patterns. I mean, I live on a 130-acre lake, and you talk about having a hard time trying to keep a secret on that lake. But <laughs> like John said, I mean, and a pattern can differ from day to day, too. Yeah. I mean, today I was crappie fishing uh, with Darren Keim, and and the wind was blowing in on the docks. And the, the ones that were picking up some waves... We really caught some nice crappies, but but if if it's calm there tomorrow, who knows? Who mm-hmm. knows? Maybe those shad that were being blown over there, maybe they're moving. Maybe they're moving from that spot, and you wouldn't catch them. So you know, it, it differs from from day to day. And guys like these two guys, Ed and and John, they know how the they how know how the lake fishes, and and you know from day to day what you're going to have to do in those conditions that and that comes from long Time years of hey, long years of experience what we call that toe yeah <laughs> i have people all the time how'd yeah. you know you was going to catch a fish there ed well i just figured there'd be one there and you know you can call them and i'd say catch right there you'll catch one and they'll catch it and go how'd you know that i've fished it a million times history yeah, hey, yeah. it's history yeah great Great point, though, sitting here looking at guides and past guides and outdoor riders. You know, you've put a lot of time on the water. Got to be there every day. Hey, nature kind of repeats itself every spring, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Every summer, every fall. Well, that's what, what, uh, you know, I've covered the pros for 20-something years, and people always ask me, what's the difference between a pro and me? I say time on the water. Yeah. I said their skills aren't I that much. I thought you were going to say a couple million. Yeah. No, well, yeah. they got to have that too. Sugar but, daddy. But uh, you know, it's I've watched these guys and they make mistakes, well, casting, sure. flipping, and stuff like that. But they're on the water from sun up to sundown every day, wow. and that makes a big difference. Tough well, road sure to go. Makes a huge difference. I, of course. As and sometimes man. they're not even fishing; they're just looking at graphs. Wow. Yeah. They could spend a whole day looking at a graph and say, well, I'm going to go back there because there's this little bitty Something. rock there that I think will have a fish on it. Wow. Yeah, as a young man, I used to do that, go that daylight to dark, too. But now, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. it's kind of like my turkey hunting. I, I used to feather here turkey gobble a mile away. I'd double time over there. Now I might slowly walk half away and sit down and call him. If he wants to come that other half, great. Bring it on. Amen. If he don't, amen. Hey, it's all right. So I've I've kind of applied that to fishing too. You know, I don't move near as fast, don't cover near as much territory I do, but I still. Oh, you're killing me! I still catch enough fish to make me want to keep going. Hey guys, we man, we beat up our first segment here already, and we're just getting warmed up. But folks, stay with us. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hi everyone, Brandon Licklider here with the Marys County Bank. Um, today I wanted to talk to you real quickly about the pre-qualification process. Um, as we've talked about, there's a lot of really nice properties out there and this process can help you be ready to buy when the time is right. Um, typically at the bank, um, what we're going to collect to pre-qualify would be two years financials at minimum. Um, so we're going to be looking for tax returns, W-2s, pay stubs, anything that's applicable to the transaction itself. And of course, a completed application. We do have several ways we can get that application to you via our website or via encrypted email. Make the process secure if you're not local or if there's you know any special circumstance we need to work with. 
Um, from there, we're going to go through a review process where we're going to go through questions with you and we're going to really look at um, your situation as it pertains to the transaction, um, gather all of that information and really make the best decision for you um, moving forward. And again, this this process is really designed to be a help to help you be prepared to buy when the time's right. So, as we've talked about, these properties are really booking up fast. So when you see them out there, you know what your buying power is. You know what you're capable of doing. It allows you to act quickly and and be in the running for some of these great properties. Um, in closing, here, just want to let you know that the Marys County Bank is an equal housing lender and member FDIC. And if you have questions or you'd like to talk through this process with me, feel free to reach out to me at 573-265-4600. Again, my name is Brandon Licklider with the Marys County Bank. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. I'm Bill Cooper. And, man, I've got almost a who's who's of bass fishing at Lake of the Ozarks here. Brent Frizee, Kansas City star dude. Now he's a your bass guy. Your best guy. Did you think that up all by yourself? No, I, 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 they had already had that before when they asked me to come on. So oh. I'm not your best guy, but there's originally as somebody else. But I, gotcha. I guess I am now. Well, I inherited a job like that once, too. I'm known as the Gravel Bar Gourmet, and everybody thinks I yep. was the original, but I'm not. Oh. Remember old Hank Rifus? Yeah. Remember Hank? Hank? Yep. Yeah. Hank Rifus was the original Gravel Bar Gourmet guy. And he was so cool. I didn't inherit the coolness, you know. <laughs> he, he was an old hippie, really, from way back. And I remember he got in trouble one time. He wrote for Outdoor Guide. And uh, he'd always tell a story before he'd give a recipe, you know. He was talking about being 16, 17 years old. And I uh, drinking while he was driving, I think, doing 60, 70 mile an hour down gravel roads to, to, to get to his fishing pots. There were some parents that didn't like that. You That's know? one of those secrets you keep. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I really, really didn't have to me. No, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> then we got Big Ed Franco. He claims he's middle size Ed now. Yeah. You, man, yeah. You, you lost some weight, right? It, yeah, I did. I Was did. that from fishing? Yeah, yeah, steady on it every day. <laughs> well, you're looking good, my well, friend. Well, thank you. And then, of course, John Neparadny, he's a fixture here at the Lake of the Ozarks, has uh, written hundreds, if not thousands, of articles about bass fishing. A couple of books. What books have you written? Uh, I've written the one that's called The Lake of the Ozarks Fishing Guide, which I'm sold out of. And then I got uh, one uh, that's 101 Bass Fishing Tips, and that's from Skyhorse Publishing in New York. And I got it on my website. You can buy it there. You can buy it uh, on Amazon or any of those other places. And guaranteed to help you catch fish. Exactly. Oh, yeah. and if you talk, to him, talk to him really good. He'll sign it for you. Yeah. Really? Yep. Wow. Yep. Is that extra? Uh, maybe. No. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it is if you buy it on my website because then you got to pay postage and all there that There you go. There's always a catch. <laughs> yeah. There. But here in this seg- second segment, I want to discuss a topic that's hot super hot right now there's lots of opinions about it it's the electronics that have entered the fishing scene what in the last what five years ten years or less than that less than that yeah and i'm talking about everybody riding around their fancy bass boats look like they got tv screens all over their boats man and what's it done to fishing well, I think it made crappie fishing oh, tremendous. It yeah. really has. You yeah. can really see the crappie on there. You can see your jig to go down to them. You can see the fish come and eat the jig. You can do all this stuff. Works great. I'm struggling with it trying to learn how to bass fish with it. 
Oh. And I have, you know, I have a real good Garmin set, and it works unbelievably good. I can see crappie like crazy. I just cannot see my jigs. So, you know, baits that, that I'm working deep for bass, but... I love it. I really do. And I was not convinced. This guy here talked to me about it, and everybody brother had that. And uh, finally, I broke down and, and got it. And it's wonderful. It really is. It's great whenever you go 20 feet that way, 10 feet down, throw it right there, and you'll catch him, and you do. Wow. I mean, you'll, you know, you'll see him chase it and grab it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, that's the amazing thing about that. But then on the other hand, it's really disheartening when you see those fish down there and you throw and you throw and you throw and you throw. <laughs> yeah. And then they start throwing back at you. Yeah. So that you know, see who's going to catch who. But, but you know, know the, the nice thing about that is it's educating us that there's a lot more fish down there. Oh, yeah. Than yeah. we ever thought. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, crappie and bass. I mean, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable how many crappies you will see on live scope no doubt and, and you'll drop right down to them and just as many times as they'll hit they scoot away just scoot away they'll come <laughs> and take a look at that jig and you'll see the mark on the screen that they're staring right at that jig and then they just fade off the well, that's yeah, when I, I pull it away from them. Huh? Yeah. I pull it away from them. Yeah. And then well, you catch them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, sometimes yeah. if you slowly sometimes. raise yeah. it, if you just slowly raise that bait. Because if you think come. about it, is a shad going to stay there and look at, uh, watch a crappie looking at it? Yeah. No, he's going to run. Yeah. Well, I guess so. Run <laughs> he's going to try and get away. So it's, it's a natural uh, reaction that. It triggers, you know, it triggers a, a reaction strike that yeah. way. Well, the remember. interesting thing, though, is that in that amateur tournament that uh, Johnny Morris had, that one that paid a million dollars to the the two guys from Auburn University, yeah. who won that thing, they use live scope. I mean. Yeah, those it, young college guys, they know how to they dial know that how thing. They yeah. use those electronics, and they were solely. Everybody else was pounding the banks and stuff. These guys were out mid-lake, and they they couldn't believe, this was on Table Rock, they couldn't believe the number of suspended, big bass suspended out there in deep water. They were picking out the target they wanted to, and, and more often than not, the fish would just shy away from the bait. But they caught enough bass to win that thing. It was interesting because... Who uh, a couple of years ago? Who would think that they, they're out there? They're doing that. Yeah, that they're exactly. Out, that yeah. They're out there in deep water, suspended. Yeah. Now right I can there. catch a suspending bass. I can see that, and I can do that. Yeah. But it's just the ones that are hugging the bottom. I can't pick them up off the bottom yet. But I'm not familiar with it enough. It takes some learning to learn that. I call it Star Wars fishing because <laughs> you just throw it in there and watch it go down. Oh, I got him! You know. Yeah. But now, last year I yeah. did find them that way on the bottom. And I caught them that way. I didn't see them hit the lure, but I could see where they were and where they were moving, and I could cast to that spot. And I catch. I tried. To, I, you know, I, that's what I need and, more now. And I don't think with bass fishing is different. I mean, the thing I like about bass fishing with the live scope is not necessarily seeing the fish chase it, which I see sometimes. It's just showing how deep your lure is getting. Sure. Whether it's getting like a jerk bait in the winter time. I'm looking at that and saying, that's not getting deep enough. Uh, yeah. So I yeah. put some more weight on it or something like that, and then right. it gets deep enough. And, and Jack Uxa, he's one of the best ones I've seen as far as using that live scope for 
for Alabama rigs. I've been out with him, and we could see that whole rig going down through yeah. the brush pile. <laughs> see wow. the fish come up and hit it. Yeah, that you, you can see that kind of stuff. No yeah, doubt about yeah. it. Well, I, it's probably been four years ago, first time I was on a boat that had all those electronics. And, I, I thought, of course, I'm thinking dollar size. Gosh, how much did all this stuff cost? Lots. But it went out. And, <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah. It was a February, cold, miserable day. Nobody else on the lake. It's a different lake. It wasn't L-O-Z, but... Uh, and we stopped, and I'm looking at all this. Look like static to me, but he's telling me how many hundreds of crappie there are down there. Mm-hmm. I watched that first jig drop down, stop maybe 16 inches, just one big crappie came up just slowly and inhaled that jig. And you know, we pulled a lot of fish out of there. The weather got bad and blew us off, but in an hour we went back, finished up, and then I see a big wad of something else, you know, and I drop a jig in there, pull out a. Well, I thought it was a monster white bass. Oh, let's catch a bunch of these. Oh, I don't want to mess with those things. We're going walleye fishing. I'm already froze to death, you know. Now, he's going to roar 10 miles up the lake and finish me off. We moved 150 yards in the same cove, see a creek channel, and walleye stacked on the lip of that creek like cordwood. I caught one in the first cast. 20 minutes later, three of us had our limits. And I'm thinking, what is this going to do to the fishing world? Is yeah. it going to decimate the fish populations? And I watched him, it was a year or so later, had uh, a corporation come in, 30 crappie fishermen, 15 out in the morning, 15 out in the afternoon. All 15 that morning caught their limits of crappie. That afternoon, only two guys were two fish short. 30 limits of crappie caught in one day with one guide. And I'm, I'm trying to do the mathematics, you know. How many millions of crappie are in that lake? So yeah. in your guys' yeah. professional opinion, do you think uh, LifeScope and all these electronics are actually affecting the, the fish do. populations? I do. Like how? I think it, I, it's getting more people to be able to catch more fish. I had, I had five guide trips in a row, and we caught our limit five days in a row, and one of them was a six, 60 you know, fish limit that day because we had enough people in the boat. But uh, I think it's really tough on them. But it's amazing how many are there. It's like he said, they will show you so many fish on this lake. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but then it will also do the other thing, and it will show you where there's not any fish. And that's the thing that gets me is you'll be going along, nothing, 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 nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, it lights up. So I, I think they're great, but I do think they will have a problem. I don't, I don't think it will, uh, as long as everybody catches their right amount of limit. It's these exactly. guys who, it's these guys who over limit uh, okay, or catch go. short fish that is going to be the problem. I mean, I've, I've heard a guy say, oh, I've got a church fry coming up. I got 300 fillets in the refrigerator. It's like, wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, that's go to not, jail uh, now. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. But, but but yeah, it's uh, you know I have more of a problem with these people who who just catch short fish and keep them and and stuff like I that, agree. or they go catch their lemon, they take them in, clean them, and they go back out. Go yeah, back out. those yeah. are the ones yeah. that are the problem. We problems. know that a certain amount of that goes on. Now I can see now this this is just Bill Cooper's little mind, but from the bass fishing standpoint. I wouldn't think it would affect the population as much because you got so many catch, catch and release, release. Yeah. 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 yeah, who eats a bass anymore? Not Nobody. very many. Yeah. Not very many people. But on the other hand, your crappie and your walleye, you know, the effects. I keep thinking there's got to be an effect somewhere. But we know that Lake of the Ozarks is an extremely fertile lake as far as the shad are concerned. Oh yeah. And they, I was told 
I think by David Stoner. Didn't he used to be the biologist? Yeah, Greg Stoner. Greg, Greg, Stoner. Greg, Greg. Yeah. yeah, I did a lot of articles for Missouri Game and Fish Magazine and talked to Greg a lot over the years. And he was saying that the crappie in Lake of the Ozarks grew so slow that they stayed small enough, long enough to be a food supply for bass and crappie both for a long period sure. of time. So, and, and they just seemed to have one incredible shad hatch well, we have another. so many of them it's unbelievable there's times when it looks like you can walk on the water in some of them so if, if, if the food store source is going to remain steady your crappie and bass production should remain steady too given water conditions here's the other thing about this lake is the lake level through the spring stays about just it it doesn't fluctuate like a Truman where you could have a twenty foot high one spring, yeah, ten uh, five foot low the next spring. This lake stays steady in the reproduction every year. Stays pretty close to normal. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that I think we really need more than anything is we need a ten inch limit on crappie. Yep. I've Standard. Been That's the way it's gotta be. Minimum yeah. ten. And honestly, tens aren't that great either. But I think it should be ten forget nine, go to ten yeah, sure. and do it. Well, you know uh, the one thing I worry about I don't know how you guys feel about this, but offshore fish, offshore it used to be like a refuge that, for, the, for the bass and and somewhat for the crappie and everything because people people didn't find them like they do now. They would that offshore where those bass would go out there and they would just suspend in, in over deep water. And people didn't hit them. Right. Because they didn't know how. They didn't know how. They didn't know how. They were out there, and people would still be pounding the banks, even the pros. Uh-huh. But then now that we got live scope, there's, the fish don't have any refuge anymore. No. no. They can't yeah, they do. Go, Huh? Well, deep. Too they many go. docks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You can't uh, fish the uh, bank uh, anymore. We're all going to have to be offshore fishermen. Uh, on this they hide lake. under the docks. Uh, on this lake, yes. yeah. On this lake, yeah. But I'm talking about. In general. Yeah, I tell everybody now, I'll fish this lake, you're going to have to be an offshore fisherman because you're running out of bank to fish. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Everywhere yeah. I go, there's a new dock popping up. Oh. And I, I fish a lot of time in the summer, that 25 to 30 foot water all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sitting out there and people go by me and they kind of look and I act like I'm working on something. I really <laughs> yeah. am yeah. like crazy. Yeah. That's true. Oh, because, I've learned some neat but, tricks. Oh, you got you to have the tricks, you know. Oh, absolutely. But I, I do Let's talk about, about some of those that. in the next segment. We need to take another break here to hear from... Uh, some of our sponsors but once again folks hey regardless where you're driving down the highway carrying the groceries in on the grass don't go away we'll be right back bass fishing on the lake of the ozarks look no further than big ed's guide service right there on lake of the ozarks big ed franco has been fishing on lake of the ozark most of his life and has been guiding for almost two decades i've fished with big ed had a great time he's a lot of fun and certainly knows where the bass live you can call big ed to make a reservation at 573-692-6710 or go to bigedsguideservice.com and on the flip side of his business card is Bass and Baskets. That's bed and breakfast that he and his wife, Deb, also run right on the banks of Lake of the Ozarks. You have a beautiful place to stay, great meals, beautiful outdoor decor, and you can walk right out the front door, get on Ed's bass boat, and head out to fish. You can call for the bed and breakfast at 573-692-6737 or look them up at BassandBaskets.com. 
summertime has arrived in the Ozarks the last couple of weeks. It's been in the 90s, even up close to 100. A couple of days, a little bit over 100 degrees. But it's a great time to get in the outdoors, particularly early in the morning, late in the evening, if you're getting out to do some fly fishing. You know, it's been said that success begets confidence, and confidence begets success, and that fine upward spiral is the best restoration of streamside sanity. Hard T. Walden said that. Get out and do some fly fishing. I've been doing quite a bit. Had some good luck on Ozark streams. A uh, lot of bug hatches going on. The little black midges that we're all so familiar with. Lots of them popping up on the rivers and small trout streams these days. And I've been having good luck on uh, dry flies, blue-winged olives, uh, some little black and black and gray midges, some atoms, some black ants. Also, been using some San Juan worms and beadhead nymphs. They've all worked well. I've been having a great time out on the trout streams. Hey, it's uh, that time again. It's giveaway time. And uh, this week, we're giving away a $100 gift certificate from Big Ed's Guide Service over to Lake of the Ozarks. If you've never fished with Big Ed, boy, you missed out. I fished with him about a month ago. We ever have a good time. This guy's jolly. Loves to laugh, tells some great stories, but most importantly, he'll put you on some fish. Uh, I was at a media event, Brent Frizee and I fished with Big Ed one morning, and gosh, we've put uh, over 100 bass in the boat in about four hours, and there uh, wasn't any real big ones. Well, Brent did let the big one get away about six pounds, got it up right up to the boat, and then it came off, but the next day, Ed asked us we'd rather catch some bigger fish. Well, of course. Uh, we had to dodge the weather a little bit, but Barb Otsman and I uh, put almost 50 bass in the boat again in about two hours, and they weighed up to five pounds. Boy, a ton of fun with Big Ed. But anyway, let's do this drawing. Here we go. Looks like Greg, Greg Richardson from Rolla, Missouri is the winner. Greg, I'll get a hold of you. Make sure you get this gift certificate, and I know you'll have a great time with Big Ed. Now, Big Ed and his wife, uh, Deb, Franco's the last name. They have bass and baskets uh, on Lake of the Ozarks, right on the waterfront. That's a uh, place you can stay, bed and breakfast. Beautiful place. Boy, the outdoor decor your fishermen will absolutely love. But look them up, uh, bassandbaskets.com. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. We're having a great time. It's great fun to sit around, just chew the fat, and listen to old fishermen talk. You know, I look around the table here, there's almost 300 years of fishing experience. Yeah, every bit here. of that, I what think. He, what he's saying, there's a lot of gray hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hear you. No hair. No hair. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> but you guys have been around for decades, have fished for decades, and have seen lots of things come and go but this thing with the electronics we're st- uh, still scratching our heads about a couple of you obviously use them a lot i've yet to buy oh, i've got some simple little electronics still don't really know what i'm looking at there even with the simple stuff but uh, i think brent for z and i probably are kind of kindred hearts yeah it's okay with me if you guys use the electronics i love going to fish with you yeah I'll tell you that because it, you eliminate so much water so fast and find out where the fish are, 
and if you're real lucky, you get to catch them too. Mm-hmm. But Brent, you live on a private lake in a subdivision, yeah. And uh, you use electronics on that lake? I I do use. I've got a helix. I've got a helix unit on on the bow. Yeah. And and you ever feel I, guilty for using that? You know what? Uh, you guys, will, you guys will laugh, but sometimes I do. Sometimes, sometimes, like in the springtime, I'm not using that helix that much. I got it turned on, but I'm pounding the banks and I'm looking I'm, how deep the water is. That's I'm, it. I'm casting to areas that look like look laydowns and stuff like that. And sometimes when I catch a good fish off a laydown. And I'm not using my electronics. It's extra satisfying. I agree with that. That I've just used my fishing knowledge. Old school stuff. It, right? Old yeah. school. And and Bill, something that you have pointed out is that that's part of the reason why I love floating these Ozark streams. No doubt about it's, it. Absolutely. You don't use your electronics. You just go and you fish. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Keep you figure out what they're, what they're hitting, if it's a little jig and pig or, uh, or whatever. You yeah. know, and it's, it's old school type fishing. I, I love it. it. But uh, Big Ed there hit the nail on the head a few minutes ago when he was talking about time on the water. Same thing with rivers. Sure, yeah, you got to fish with a UPS buddy, one of the finest smallmouth fishermen I ever was with and he uh, fished upper gasconade far enough up that jet boats couldn't get up there he floated an old river john you know and just had a trolling motor on it but that guy we could come up on a little point or a turn he'd tell me i'm gonna catch a two pound smallmouth right there <laughs> seemed like 90 percent of the time he was correct i said well you know these fish by first name or what but it was again it was conditions of structure whatever absolutely you know, he knew there would be fish there, and to me, that's that's just so intriguing and so incredible. And still, as good as you guys are with the electronics, uh, I still prefer, like Brent, to float down that Ozark stream. It's Cass and yeah, and I've I've got access to a fifteen acre private lake way back in the boonies that I go to fairly regularly, and that's where a lot of my fish pictures come from. You know, mm-hmm. I use them as generic photos a lot, but. Uh, it's great to go out because I know two or three points on that lake, there's going to be fish there, mm-hmm. you know. And you get a little high water here in the spring. I know there's going to be fish back in that buck brush and stuff. And I can catch them. Makes me feel pretty good. Yep. Now, you put me out on a new lake somewhere, one of these big bass lakes, mm-hmm. I'm going to be as lost as lost can be. Well, you have the finest thing there. Small lakes are better fishing than bigger lakes are anytime. Uh, exactly right but you know fortunately here where we live we've got the best of all those worlds oh yeah you know living here in the ozarks all of us know lots of people we can probably go to and fish those private ponds you can uh, mm-hmm. fish the lake of the ozarks and 14 other lakes in the state of missouri particularly in southern missouri we've got hundreds of miles of clear water beautiful streams that we can fish and camp on extremely fortunate but you know bringing it back home you guys is guide particularly you two guys john and uh big ed like the ozarks your bread and butter oh yeah no doubt about it and and you know what honestly fishing is such a enjoyment and it's not all about catching fish it's just being time on the water yeah that's a lot of it and as yeah. guides you know I've, I've done a little bit of personal guiding but to work as a guide, I didn't think I ever had the patience for that because you meet, particularly being on Lake of the Ozarks, you guys have to meet people from all over the world. Oh, yeah. I get yeah. them from all over the place. 
Yeah. yeah. How, how long did it take you to get calmed down as a guy to where you could handle all the different types of personalities that you have to deal with? <laughs> uh, I have worse problems with a guy like him. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Honestly. Somebody you, who knows what they think they know everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Honestly, a tournament fisherman is one of the worst guys to ever take. Oh, I would think so. Because he wants your spots. He don't care what. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And all he's doing is, is gathering spots. The other one's always these guys that get in a boat. As soon as you get on there, they start clicking every Those spot you points. stop at. Yep. And, and you know, I mean, that's okay. And and well, what I, happens I've usually is you take them to the, bad the, spots. They tell people if they don't quit that, they're going to take them back to the dock. Well, I just take them to spots that they never catch fish anyway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it's a good spot. And then we'll catch something good. And they'll go, hey, oh, yeah, it is. You just ruined my whole theory. Almost every fishing program. Well, here's I'm a like, question for you. How many how many of the people you have who want to keep bass? Ah. Mm. Uh. I do have very few that happens, and I always invite them when they come down and say, hey, we decided we're going to keep our fish today. I said, I always tell them, I hope you enjoy your day. What do you mean? I said, I'm not taking you. Really, I'm that strong against catch and release bass is the only way there is. I don't care what it is. You catch and release. And they'll tell me they want to do it. I just say, have a great day. I'm sorry I'm not going. And they'll go, what? Yeah. And, you know, then they yep. change your mind real quick. Well, yeah, but you've told them up front. Just I do. It's on my website, and, and I tell them whenever they call, I'm a catch and release guide. There you go. There you go. But, catch some crappie. Yeah, we'll yeah, catch some crappie. Fishing. Yeah. But what about the guy that wants to guide the guide? <laughs> that happens from time to time. Do you get many of those anymore? Not, no, I really don't. Uh, and and I can usually stalemate them pretty quick, uh, and, you know, change their mind on that. But uh, uh, you do have it from time to time. And, and honestly, every day when I come in, my wife's asked me, how was your guide trip today? It was either great or, God, I never want to do that again. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, wonderful people. I had two days. I had people all the way from down in Florida came up and fished with me. And. We had a blast. We that, really did. And they had to be a were lot not, of satisfaction with that. Oh, yeah. And they were not good fishermen, but they wanted to fish with me, and we got it done. And we caught a lot of fish both days. Mm. I, that is awesome. Well, one of the toughest guides I ever fished with was out of Cancun, Mexico, fly fishing for tarpon. Mm-hmm. And this guy, I can't remember how I even bumped into him, but I, I'm trying to talk him into uh, taking me fly fishing for tarpon, you know, as a rider, comp, and all that. You know how all that goes, John. And he said, I don't even like outdoor riders, you know. I'll never take another one. I guess he'd he'd had a bad experience, you know. So, mm. oh well, that's okay, you know. We we wind up taking me, and this guy screamed at me for two days, you know. Really? I mean, yelled at me, and finally on the third day, I just turned around and used some adjectives to explain to him that you need to stop yelling at me. I just want to fish, you know. Yeah. But here's what he told me, and he bragged. He said. 90% of my clients never come back. I said, I can see why. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was proud of that fact. And he Unbelievable. Said, he said, usually on a five-day uh, trip, I make my clients spend the first two days on the docks learning my fly fishing techniques. I mean, he was like an Army DI, man. Mm. But before this trip was over, he's trying to talk me into writing a book about his fly fishing techniques. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, right on. <laughs> I mean, I, I treat people like I like to be treated. There you go. And uh, I do anything I can to make their experience happy and have a good time. But uh, there's, I honestly, 99% of the time, they're wonderful. 
99%. Yeah, I really, and I have a great, uh, I get repeats all the time, too. So, And that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'm sure it's probably true in the fishing business, like it in the guide business, like it is a lot of other businesses. Do most of your clients find out about you word of mouth? Uh, a lot of them on, on the Internet and a lot of people. I, I also, not only do I, I, I guide fish, but I, I paint custom painted lures and all my packaging i have my guide thing in that and go that route too oh very good well coming down to the end of the program i certainly want to give you all a chance to hey plug yourself a little bit big ed if people want to go fishing will you how do they get a hold of you they can call me at 573-692-6710 that's 573-692-6710 or shoot me an email at ed at b-a-s-s-a-n-d-b-a-s-k-e-t-s dot com Shoot me any time of the day. I'll get with you as soon as I can. We'll get something lined out, and we'll go out and have a great time. I tell everybody that goes with me is come up with a happy attitude and a fishing license, and we can go catch them. Wow. <laughs> you, I will tell you, you that I have a vibe out there, don't you? Yeah, I only had, in all the years I've been guiding, I've only had one trip that we did not catch a bass. And them guys didn't care about that. They was drinking out of them brown bottles for some. <laughs> but they didn't care about it. And, and it's always somebody catch one. It might be a dinky one. Yeah. But it might be a good one. But I never had a guide trip that we did not catch. Wow. I'm looking forward. We'll have fun. A couple of days fishing with you. We'll have fun. And John Neparedna, you're not guiding anymore? No, I don't guide anymore. I just do the writing. And I got, like I said, I got my 101 Bass Tips book. It's uh, You can buy it on my website, uh, jnoutdoors.com. Uh, that one I will autograph personally. There you go. Put your little message in there and send it to you. Well, are you spending your time taking grandkids fishing? Is that what you're uh, doing? Well, they're, they're kind of into it a little bit. I'm just taking friends. Taking you know, friends. Yeah, it's a lot easier. How no, do you get no on pressure. that list? <laughs> I, just call, you want. I just called John Nipperandic. Hey, John, you want to go fish with me? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, we're there. We now they're semi-retired. I mean, I'm still writing for... BassResource.com and uh, LureNet.com. I do crappie articles for LureNet.com. Yeah, I've read some of them. I've done a little work, work yeah. for them back when. Yeah. Hey, I was going great guns with them until COVID hit, and then it kind of oh, stopped really? off, and okay. I haven't recontacted them. So yeah. I'm getting lazy in my old age. Yeah, I mean, I, that's about, about all I want to write now. I don't want to cover any more tournaments or anything. Yeah, that's tough, of tough gig. <laughs> well, Brent for Z, I, I don't want to shortchange you. I, you guide your grandchildren, don't you? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Some of them, the, the ones that I took with when they were younger, one of them just graduated from high school, and she's more interested in other things now. And mm-hmm. It's amazing how that, so, that happens. Yeah. The little ones... The little ones are really getting into it. and In fact, Big Ed took my daughter and son-in-law out last year, and their little daughter just loves fishing. She's four years old. Oh, my. And she just loves it. That's she, great. You know, and I love kids, like too. To I love to work with kids because it's something that's very, very rewarding, and they that's something they can do all of their life and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, something I've discovered in the last decade is kind of – soaked into my gray matter i tell this to so many young guides that i run across and i've supported a lot of them helped build a lot of their businesses over the years but i tell them i said i don't do this i don't help you just 
because I like you. Yeah. I, th- I think what you're doing is very, very important. You know, we, all of us are old enough. We worry about the outdoors and what's going to happen in the future. And you see these people, young guys in particular, gals too, they're so passionate about what they're doing. They're good at what they do. They're good educators. And, boy, they are creating a lot of fishermen for the future. So I really oh, yeah. like to pat them on the back. Amen. Brent, tell us about your best guy. Your Bass Guy is a website, and uh, they also have a YouTube channel. And uh, it's mostly for intermediates, you know. And uh, we have a staff of, uh, I think, three or four people who write articles and do videos. And I'm specializing in talking to the bass pros, like the Rick Cluns and... uh, and the Hibdens and that type of thing, and getting their tips to pass along. Like I, they all. I always ask them about people just getting started in bass fishing. What are some of the best lures, the best tactics and stuff to just get bit? And <laughs> Gary Yamamoto was giving me tips about fishing a senko, and and how you can't fish it too slow. <laughs> you know, and and just a lot of things that that intermediates could get tips for from the pros. Sounds like info that cut light years off that learning curve. Yeah, well, there's a that stuff that they didn't have. John John knows this. Back when a lot of these guys were getting started, they didn't have the resources that no that the young people do today. Yeah. Young people to do today, if they want to learn how to rig a carolina rig they can do a youtube search and got it they're find it absolutely well we know we've all watched this come on the scene in in our lifetime and it's just amazing but people are just starved for information you know you know yourself writing years ago the process that you had to go through oh it's so labor intensive and trying to get things to the editor and now you finish that article up punch a button and away it goes same thing with photographs amen you know but hey well guys boy i hate to wrap this up but all good things have to come to an end and again folks you've listened to four old guys here about 300 years of experience (laughs) between us that number hurts you know (laughs) but big ed franco john neparadi bill cooper we have all in our lifetime lived our outdoor dreams and we're still doing it absolutely love it we're still doing it i don't want to give it up me neither me either not to the last second man but i always like close the program and encourage people to get out and enjoy your outdoor dreams i'm bill cooper and this has been living the dream outdoor podcast Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck.
The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Bean Creek Game Calls, Big Ed's Guide Service, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.